Man, my, my junior year of high school, I was thinking about that this week. I had some really good just group of friends and, and friends that I went to church with and friends that, you know, most of them I went to school with. And I don't know if you had a friend group like this, man, but we just did everything together, especially when we got our driver's license. Like, do you remember how like terrible life was before you could drive? And, and you know, and then you get your license and you just feel like you can just do anything in the world. And I just remember like that being a huge game changer for me and my friends. Like, you know, every, every Wednesday night after church, me and my friends would go eat dinner and, you know, and, and we'd, go to, we'd go to watch a, a movie. You know, I grew up in a small town. You could watch a movie for $3. Like, isn't that awesome? Like, we need some of that back, right? Like, in our life, $3 movies. And, uh, and, and so we would, we, would, we would do all these things together as a friend group. We, we would eat, and we would watch movies, and we'd stay up late playing Xbox on the weekend, and we would worship together. And I remember there was this time that our church did these things a couple times a year where our, our whole youth group, all the, the students would get away, and we would have a weekend just being with God. And I remember coming back um, from one of these weekends, and me and my friends just really going, you know what? Like, we have a lot of fun together. Like, we love to laugh and to eat and to watch movies, but... But we don't ever really talk about the things that are actually going on in our lives, like the hard things. <laughs> like, you know, we can sit all day long and play Madden, but we never really talk about the places that we're struggling. And so I remember that we had this, this one afternoon, it was after school, and we gathered at my friend Blake's house, and there were four of us sitting up there, and we just kind of decided that, that we were not going to settle any longer for, for, for just a casual friendship, that, that we wanted to, like, let each other in on the, the full us, the, the real us. And I remember just that moment just being such a, a game-changing moment for me in my life. Maybe the first time in my life where I actually let like other people in, not just on the, like, the fun side of me, but like the, the, the other human side of me, the part that struggled and doubted and wrestled with, with sin. And, and, and I remember that moment just, just being so nervous to open up. But what I found was, was just such acceptance and such like a, oh yeah, I, I also wrestle with that. And, and I found all this strength from, from opening up and, and, and I realized in that moment that, that genuine relationship actually begins, like real relationship begins when you let people all the way in. And it's not that you don't have relationship before that, man, but, but there is a depth of, of being loved and being known and being in relationship that cannot happen unless you let someone all the way in to the full you, the real you. You know, for the past two and a half months, we have been looking at these two verses in Exodus 34. If you're new, you're like, wait, you spent two and a half months on two verses. And, and yeah, they're this, these beautiful verses where, where God comes to Moses. And, and God in this, this moment, kind of like we had my junior year of high school, that, that he lets Moses all the way in on who he is. It's this moment where he, he draws near to Moses and, and he looks at Moses and he's like, Moses, you know, I'm not content with, with, with us just being buddies. I'm not content with us just playing Xbox and us just hanging together, that I want you to know me. And so I love this. I was wrestling with this this week, you know, in Exodus chapter three, in verse six, or sorry, Exodus chapter six, verse three. Sorry, verse two. This is what the Lord says. God said this to Moses, I'm the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known. And it's like, wait, like why did you hold back from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God? Like that's a mystery that, you know, we'll have a lot of time in heaven to talk to the Lord about. But what I want us to see is this, this moment in Exodus chapter 34, verses six and seven, where 
where God opens up his life and his heart in this moment of complete transparency. He lets Moses in on who he is. You see, and, and the difference is, is that God is absolutely, you know, Yahweh, which is his personal name, is, is absolutely holy, is absolutely perfect, which means that there are no dark and no hidden, you know, shameful things in his heart, in his past. He's like, Moses, I need to let you know about this thing I did 200 years ago. No, there's, there's none of that with the Lord. He's, he's absolutely perfect and holy. Everything that he does is righteous and in accord with his righteousness. It's this moment, though, where, where God lets down his guard and he lets Moses all the way into the fullness of his character. It's like, well, why does he do that? Well, because Moses, just like us, has all kinds of opinions about what God is like. And, and Moses had his, his, his theology, which just means his understanding of God, had been shaped by lots of people. You know, he probably had some, some pastors that, that, you know, that shaped him. And, and pastors, you know, sometimes pastors teach truth and sometimes pastors don't. Like sometimes pastors reveal to you the fullness of who God is and sometimes they don't. That's just a, a reality of the world that, that we live in. And so Moses, you know, he's, he's a, a man or a, you know, and, and he's growing up just like us, trying to, to the best that he can know and understand who God is. And he understands the, the complexity of actually knowing God. That what he'd been taught by his parents or what he'd been taught by, you know, kooky pastors or by his professor in college or by some, you know, latest book on the New York Times bestseller book. And I love what God does because he understands how with the best of intentions, sometimes people misrepresent God, mistell what God is like. And so God just comes to this moment and says, Moses, this is who I am. That's why these verses are so important. God wants us to know him. Not just know about him. He wants us to know him. And, and I love this, that the Lord reveals who he is to Moses and ultimately us. Why? Why does he do that? Because he wants us to love him. You know, it's, it's, it's a moment in your, your relationship where, man, you, 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 you let your spouse, you let your boyfriend in on, on your life. Why? because you don't wanna hold anything back. You don't want them to know part of you. You want them to know the fullness of who you are. And so the Lord goes, I want you to know me because what he ultimately wants is for us to love him and to trust him and to follow him. You know, the Lord didn't create us because he's lazy or because he's incompetent or because he's self-centered. No, he created us so that he could love us. Like the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, they know how good their love is. And they created us, uh, not because they were insufficient in that love, but because they had so much they wanted to give to us out of the overflow of, of their heart and their character and who they are. They go, man, Rachel could use some of my love. <laughs> and Thorne could use some of my love. And Joe could use some of my love. And the fullness of the reason you were created is not because God needed a thing from you, but because he wanted to give something to you. But the reality is no relationship is truly a relationship when one side does all the giving and loving and all the other does the receiving, right? Like if my kids and my girls start dating a long time from now, uh, <laughs> when if they start dating and, and, and they're the ones that are giving all the love and they're not, you know, getting any attention, I'm going to be like, hey, we're done here. Like, you know, this is not, this is not working out because we all know a relationship is truly a relationship when, when both people are giving. This is how the Lord reveals himself in Exodus 34, 
verses six to seven, he says, the, the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love, listen to this, to thousands of generations, forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their parents. So the third and fourth generation. And, and, and so if you haven't been tracking with us, man, go back and listen to the podcast the past couple of months, especially last week, that last line, right? Andrew did a phenomenal job walking us through that. But I was meditating on this and, and going, man, how do we wrap up this series? Like, how do we, you know, next Sunday we're starting Advent. We're, we're setting our attention and our gaze on Christmas, the reality that Christ came once, that he's coming back. And I go, man, what is it that we do today? Like, how do we transition out from, 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 from this series, meditating on these two verses? And I just started thinking, man, like, if I was going to write Exodus 34, kind of if that was a template, how would I write it? If I was going to describe to you who I am, this is what I would write. My name is Brandon. Nice to meet you. I can be compassionate and merciful. I'm getting slower to become angry. I'm still pretty self-centered. I give love sparingly, but I want to do better. I can forgive some wickedness and sin and rebellion much easier than I can others. And I go, man, you read about who Yahweh is. And he's just so different than us. He's, he's so beautiful. He's, he's so, he's everything that we want to be. Like everything that, that we want to be for our friends and our family, everything that we want to be, he is. And guys, we've been talking about these two verses for two reasons. The first, Exodus 34, so that we would receive him. And the second is so that we would reflect him. It's like, man, why have we been spending so much time here? So that we would actually receive Yahweh into our lives. And then we would reflect him back into the, the, the places around us. I want to talk about these real quick, you know, so, so that we'd receive him, you know, and, 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 and I don't want this to come off... Um, like I've got it all together. And so you're going to have to just like bear with me in this. But, but I want you to think about this. Man, some of you, and I don't want this to, to create shame or whatever. But so, so track with me here. Some of you are, you know, you're, you're, you're walking with the, the real Jesus. Like you, you, you get out of bed and you put your feet on the ground in the morning. And, and the reality is that, that your life is is actually being shaped under the authority and by the lordship and by the love of Jesus. And you know it. And others, man, you are, you're walking, and I say this with so much humility. Some of us are walking with a God that you have created. You have to test your own heart on this, okay? This is what the scriptures say. It's like, you've got to, to, to test yourself to make sure you're in Christ Jesus. Some of us are, are walking with a God that, that doesn't challenge you or command you to do anything difficult or call you to anything hard. 
Man, a, a God who always agrees with you, a God who likes everything you like, who dislikes everything you dislike, a, a God who votes like you, a God made in your own image. And some of us are, are walking with, with Jesus as, as the authority in our lives. And then some of us are, are, are walking with a God that, that we've created that, that only likes us when we behave. Man, when, when we never mess up and we never stumble. Some of us are walking with a real Jesus and some of us are walking with a God that, that we are manipulating to get what we want, who, who we turn on when he doesn't give us what we want. Guys, the call of Exodus 34 is, is to receive the real Yahweh. To be shaped, you know, and it's so hard in the culture that, that we live in, in the city that, man, there's just so much just darkness and evil and, and culture that is pervasive. And, 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 and we have to test ourselves and to keep ourselves right in front of the Lord. And, 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 and the call, though, is, is to believe in and follow Jesus. The carpenter from Nazareth, who was a carpenter until he was 30 years old, and then he turned into an itinerant Middle Eastern Jewish rabbi. And he, and he, and he traveled all over the Middle East, teaching and healing and claiming things that, that he was God. That, that, that you should and that we should give our entire lives to trusting in him because he comes through. And that we should follow him no matter what it costs us because he is God in the flesh. And that this Jesus that none of us have ever seen, but the, the people who lived 2,000 years ago saw in the flesh, this Jesus, he, he died on a Roman cross for the sins of the world. And a few people took his body off the cross. Nicodemus, Joseph, Arimathea, they, they, they purchased the tomb. They laid him in the tomb. They covered the tomb with a stone. And, and night set in on Friday night. And it says that some women were there and they watched, they, they saw where his body was laid and and they went home to observe Sabbath. And so Friday night till Saturday night, they were waiting. Sunday morning rolls around and they, and they take the, the spices and the, and, the, and, the, and the things to anoint his body to the same thing that you do at a funeral to, to give homage to the dead. And, and they show up not to find a, 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 a filled tomb with someone who was dead. They show up and they realize that the tomb is empty. That this Jesus, he, 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 he appeared from, he, he, he rose out of death. And those women encountered him. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15 says that more than 500 people saw Jesus with their own eyes, post-resurrection, ascended. This Jesus ascended to heaven. This Jesus is the one who will, re, who will return on the day of the Lord to judge the living and the dead for those who are in Christ. He will look at you and say, they're with me. Yeah, Kate stumbled through life. Yeah, she sinned, but she trusted in me. She lived under my lordship. Yeah, Amber, she stumbled through life, but she's mine. Yeah, Catherine, she stumbled. Yeah, but she's mine. 
And the call from Exodus 34 is, is that we wouldn't just be casual Christians in the midst of a, a really cool city, but man, that we would be sold out to Jesus. That our lives would be led by his lordship, that we would understand what it, likes, what it feels like for the spirit to flow through our bones, to, to be alive to God to be led by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, he looks at us. And I love what he says in Revelation chapter three, verse 20. He says, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone will open the door, I'll come in and eat with them. Not the perfect, not those who went to seminary, not those who, who read the latest Beth Moore book, you know, whoever the latest author. It's like not those who have life figured out, anyone who will open the door to me. Anyone who looks at their life and goes, man, I don't have what I need, but I think you do. And I am messed up, but I believe that, that you died for me. And I don't have it all figured out, but I believe that you're actually gonna come back and there's gonna be a day where you're gonna judge the living and the dead and I wanna be on your team. It says for anyone, if anyone will open the door, I'll come in and eat with them. The invitation for us is to receive him to follow him. And guys, the reality is that only when we've received him can we reflect him. So we're studying Exodus 34 so that we receive him, but you can never reflect him until you've received him. But I know that the longing in our hearts is, is for those of us who are followers of Jesus, and I want you to say amen if you actually agree with this. The longing of our lives is, is not just to receive from God, but to be used by God. Amen. Like if, if, if you've experienced the forgiveness of God, if you experienced the, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, you're not content just being a spiritual consumer. You go, man, I want your life, Jesus, to flow through me to bless those around me. We want to reflect it. This quote from Gandhi bothers me. You know, Gandhi lived in the mid-20th century, man from India, Hindu, and just lots of good things that he did for India, helping them um, find independence from, from, from British's rule. But he said this, he said, and maybe you've heard this quote, he says, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And the reality is that we've all had moments where we failed to reflect him, right? Like we all think back on all. So none of us are in this room going, that's not me. I got it. Like, no, you don't got it. Like we've all messed up. Every single one of us, we've all failed to reflect him. And so I'm going, man, God, why in the world would you choose to use us as your representatives? to a world that doesn't know you. Like what God should do is be like, hey, I'm just gonna reveal myself to everybody. Excuse my people, because they're just messed up. That's not what he does. He, choose, he chooses to entrust us with his name and his spirit. And that should humble us, be like, God. It should make us evaluate how we talk and think and live, the way we spend our time and our lives and our energy and, and to go, man, God, you have entrusted me. And I go, why does God do this? <laughs> because 
Besides a direct, personal, supernatural encounter from the Lord himself, there is nothing more beautiful, more powerful, more noticeable than in this life when someone lives like Jesus. That when you live out the ways of Jesus, when you forgive when you've been wronged, man, when you are generous to take care of the poor, when you're cultivating intimacy with Jesus in your prayer room, like in your, in your house by yourself when no one else is looking, man, when, when, when you're hungry for the, for the ways of God, there's nothing more beautiful. There's nothing that stands out more. And I bet if you looked back at your life, you could think about people or you could think about moments in your own life where, where the character of God flowed through you. And, and, and maybe no one noticed it in the moment, but you noticed it. There's nothing more beautiful. I was thinking about this moment in my own life and I'm, I'm, this is not a, a, a bragging moment because I could tell you equally probably a whole lot more moments where I did miss it. But I remember this moment I was in middle school and um, this friend that was, uh, this friend that I had at school, she was having her birthday party and she just, she wasn't a super popular girl. She was super kind, but she was just one of those girls that just didn't get noticed, didn't get a lot of attention. And so she invited several people to her party and, and we, we went to her party and, and we had plans afterwards, you know, we we're going to leave her party earlier to go to the fair. You know, the, the fair was in town, not the same fair that I got in trouble for, but different year fair. And, and, um, and so I remember just being at that party and my friends were like, hey, are you ready to leave? This party's kind of lame. And, and, and they left and I just felt the spirit going, don't leave. Like stay. Love this girl. And I remember my, my friends left and it was me and a bunch of these girls. And we had a great time. <laughs> I don't remember what we did, but it was a great time. And I remember just like my mom like picking me up that night. She's like, I thought you were going to the fair. And I'm like, yeah, no, I decided to stay. And my mom's like, way to go. And I go, guys, when, when we choose to, to lay down our lives for people and humble ourselves and serve them and, and be generous towards the, the, the world and, and when someone slaps us on the cheek not to retaliate, man, when we, when we work hard to say we're sorry, we cultivate lives of repentance, it stands out and there is nothing in this world besides a divine revelation from God himself that shines like that life. And I was just thinking about, man, but we all want that. We all want to reflect God. But how do we do that? Is it by trying harder? You know, being more disciplined? You know, I think discipline has a part to play in it. But man, the, the, the way that we become like, like God is, is by looking at God. Like literally fixing your eyes on God. 2 Corinthians 3 says that we all with unveiled faces, as we contemplate the Lord's glory, we become like him. Do you realize that, that we become the thing that we're looking at? The thing that we think about, like we become it. So here, let me give you an example. I mean, you know, elementary school, I grew up and I loved watching the Chicago Bulls. You know, as often as I could, I was watching the Bulls play. Why? Michael Jordan, the only reason. 
And I remember just, just anytime the Bulls were playing, I'd, I'd watch him and, and I would watch him because I wanted to be like him. I wanted to be like Mike. I got his shoes and I got his cards and I would go in the driveway and I would practice the fadeaway, sticking my tongue out. And, 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 and you knew I wanted to become like him because I was looking at him. I go, we become like the thing we're looking at. And sometimes this is a really good thing. You know, Courtney follows a lot of just really amazing foster moms on Instagram. And guess what? She learns really great tools and techniques for how to, how to be a great foster mom, how to be a great mom. I go, you, you, you become what you're looking at. And my prayer is that, is that we would look to, to the Lord, that we would be more curious about Jesus's life about what he said and about what he did and what he's going to do, we would care more about that than we care about the latest fashion trend <laughs> or what's gonna happen next on our favorite show or what's gonna happen later this afternoon the Titans game. Man, that we would look to the Lord, that we would truly be most interested in him, that we would be a church that receives him, the real him, you know, the, the thing that I pray about for our church family is that, that not one of us would be snatched away by the enemy in this life. <laughs> that like we would walk through this life with, with such just love and joy and encouragement that, that when we stand before Christ, we're like, man, we're looking around and we're like, we're all here. <laughs> we did it. Let's not be so deceived to think that, that, man, if we just go on autopilot, we're gonna make it. No, it takes like leaning on each other and walking together and leaning in and encouraging one another and praying for one another. And the thing that, that keeps me going is, God, I wanna, I wanna stand before you as a pastor of this church and to see my friends and my family there with me. To see you there with me. That we would receive him, the real him. That we would reflect him. And I felt like the Lord this morning was saying, Brandon, what I want to do is I want to reveal who I am. You know, we could talk about Exodus 34 for another two and a half months. We might do it. It was so good. We might just hit repeat. It was so good. You know, there's still things to, to learn. But I felt like the Lord was saying, Brandon, I want, to, I want to reveal myself to each person this morning. That the way I describe myself in Exodus 34, I don't want them just to hear it, you know, in their ears and, and to think about it in their heads. I want it to get into their hearts. And I'm like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? Like, I absolutely want that. Like, how do you want me to facilitate that? And, and so I looked up the definition of reveal. I know what reveal means. Don't judge me. But there's lots of definitions of reveal. And one of the, the, the definitions of reveal is this, to make something known to humans by divine or supernatural means. You're like, what are we about to do? This is weird. We're just gonna have a time of guided prayer right now. I wanna just walk us through a time of prayer just with you and the Lord. We throw that screen up, that slide up, Todd, on the screen. You know, this is, these are the characteristics of God as he describes himself of Yahweh in Exodus 34. And I want you to, to get that piece of paper out that was in your seat, grab your pen, and you don't have to write things down, but I know that, that sometimes it's helpful to write things down. And here's what I'm gonna invite you to do. You know, we're just gonna leave this slide up. 
And I'm just going to ask, you know, I'm going I'm to get us going in prayer. I'm going to lead us to a time of prayer. And I'm just going to ask the Lord some questions. And I want you just to pay attention to what comes to your mind. Like, I just, I so believe that the Holy Spirit speaks. That absolutely a way that you can hear from God is through someone preaching the word or through reading the Bible, but also believe that a way that God reveals himself is through the Holy Spirit speaking. And the precedent is set in the book of Acts. So if you're like, I don't know if I believe that, go read Acts and then come back next Sunday and we'll talk about it. But here's what I invite you to do. I invite you to close your eyes. And if you don't feel comfortable closing your eyes, I know sometimes people don't feel comfortable doing that. That's okay. Father, I fall so short and yet you love me. And I have such a desire to live for you, but that desire fades so easily. Just, God, I'm not perfect, and I'm just confessing that to my brothers and sisters. But man, you've been so faithful. And you've been so good. And Lord, I pray right now that every single person would just really have confidence that they can hear from you. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak. And so, Lord, I want to just pray right now. And I just want to invite you, God, would you reveal a memory or a moment in each person's life where they experienced you like you describe yourself here in Exodus 34. So I want you to pay attention, church. God might give you a picture or a word or a feeling. Father, show us a time a memory or a moment where we, where we experienced you as you describe yourself in Exodus 34. You're not getting anything. Stay in that place. Wait. I encourage you to 
man, to write down if the Lord showed you anything. And if he didn't, it's totally okay. Just take a minute, write a sentence or two to kind of summarize what, what the Lord showed you. All right, I invite you to, to look at the screen. Lord, is there anything about the way you describe yourself that I struggle to believe? Let the Lord highlight if there are any of those words that you struggle to believe. And ask him why. Why do I struggle to believe? It's okay if nothing's coming to mind. Just wait. Say, God, I, I want to hear from you. And, and maybe there's nothing that you're struggling to believe because you are walking in understanding of all these. But if you're not, say, God, would you, would you reveal one? And why do I have such a hard time believing this about you? write that down if anything came to mind. And the last kind of prayer prompt for this morning. I want you to close your eyes. Father, will you reveal one person in my life that needs me to reflect you? Who's someone that needs to see your character in my life? I invite you to, to write down their name or their initials. Here's what I want to invite us to do. I want to just invite us into a few minutes of sharing. I know this can be really intimidating, and so you don't have to do this. If you want to just stay in a place of prayer, you can 
absolutely do that. Just say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep praying. But I really encourage you right now to just process with someone you came with. You know, you could share one or, you know, you could share all three or if you didn't get anything, just say, I didn't really feel like I had anything. Can we just keep praying? Like, I think sometimes the Lord wants to teach us to persevere in prayer. And if we don't get something, that doesn't mean he's not answering. He's trying to, to get you to stay in his presence, to not just rush in and get something and get out. And so I invite you right now with, with someone around you, someone you feel comfortable with, just, just share these, you know. Hey, what was a memory or a moment where you experienced God like this? Or you know, where, where's an area that you struggle to believe that God is like this? Or who's someone that, that needs to see their character of God reflected in your life? And I encourage you to, to process things and to, and to pray for each other. And so we're gonna take the next you know, eight or 10 minutes. I'm just gonna give us a chance to process. And if, if you don't wanna talk to someone, man, I, stay in that place of prayer, okay? And then in about eight, 10 minutes, I'll, I'll call us back. We'll take communion together. We'll jump back into a time of worship. But let's take a few minutes right now the people around you, you can circle up your chairs. Let's take a few minutes and share. All right. Hey, if you're, if you're still talking, I don't want to keep you from doing that. But if you're done, I want to invite you to, to grab your communion, your bread and your juice. Hopefully you've got this delicious bread in, in the bag. And then there's this cup of, of juice. And so... Um, you know, we do this every week as a church family that we take communion. And if you've never done this before, this is something that Jesus told us. He said, hey, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And I love what 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six says. It says that when we, when we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim his death until he comes. And it's this moment where we're saying, hey, you know, we're, we're looking at Christ. We're reflecting on Christ. We're going, man, you, you died for us. And, and you've covered us. And we're yours. And so I want to invite you to, to get out the bread and to get out the cup. And, and I want to pray for us and then we'll take it together. So Lord, thank you for, for what this symbolizes. Thank you that this is a tangible way that we get to look to you. And when we look to you, we, we, we recognize how loved we are. That we are worth you dying for, the son of the living God. And I pray that we would, in response, live for you. To, to joyfully lay down our lives for you. And so let us receive this bread and this cup to take in the forgiveness and the gifts that you've given to us and, and let this be a, a refreshment to us a reminder to go and to reflect you in this world. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.